0: Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast.
1: I never saw the follow up. Was the, follow-up the follow up any was good? Shit. It
0: was terrible. Man. Oh, so it was Just good. came from nowhere. It was so good.
1: I didn't like the first one either. Well, that's great. You didn't like yeah. the first <laughs> one? <laughs> I'm glad
2: you don't, know, because that, that makes me feel better
1: about my nah, own. No, everyone I know likes it, but I just don't like that over-the-top American humor. You want that person. No, I'm not. I'm definitely not like Steve Crow. He's the worst actor alive. He's worse than Adam Sandler.
0: Okay, enough of that. Let's talk football. Here to do that is me, Ian McCourt, as well as Fabian Gorsler. Hey. And Dan Burke. Hello. From the One Football Newsroom. And back once more is Deutsche Welles' Nick McKenna-Klein. Hello. Looking so (laughs) Tennessee. It's It's the white pole and the white shoes. It is. It sort of reminds me of sort of early Kanye.
1: Yeah, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess if you colored the polo pink and you were wearing like a backpack with like a little bear on it or something like that, then.
0: And maybe just a little hint of Louis
1: Vuitton. A little bit, maybe like a Louis Vuitton scarf or a cap or, or something like that. Okay. So this
3: is the second time I've been on this pod and we talked about Louis Vuitton.
0: Oh, so, we were talking about Louis Vuitton before, right? Skateboards. The skateboards, yeah, right? I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. Think I You were on that yeah, time as yeah. well, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's start off with our regular plea to our listeners. Wherever you are in the world, please go to your local iTunes store. Please give us that rating and please leave a comment to let us know what you think of the pod. It would as ever be most appreciated. So Thursday night saw the Manchester Derby. First question to you two gentlemen who watched it together. Mm -hmm. Was this the worst Manchester Derby in living memory? And if so, who can I blame for that?
1: I think... You can definitely blame Mourinho for that. <laughs> I mean it was it was totally his fault that it was so boring. I I it was so obvious that he was playing for a draw. Um and the the you know, the substitutions came too late to win the game, but they came at the perfect time to draw the game, so I guess he got what he wanted. Um And yeah, so he'll be happy. I don't know how many fans were happy. I was not happy. I was really pissed.
0: Well, this is interesting because Dan was talking to some Manchester United fans in your Irish pub that you were watching it in last night. Um, And they said they were pretty happy with a draw.
2: Yeah, I was surprised. I mean, in general, I think um, I spoke to a few friends who were at the stadium as well, said that at the end of the game, uh, both the United fans and players were kind of like jumping around, like celebrating the the draw, really, and and really happy with the result. And I don't understand why, really. I don't think a draw was necessarily a good result for them. Um, It was a dreadful performance from United. I mean, City weren't much better, don't get me wrong, but United were terrible, I thought. And I couldn't help thinking all the way through that game. You know, you looked at the two teams at the start of the season. Everyone was was sort of hyping up the season, talking about how... We've got uh, Guardiola and Mourinho in the Premier League now. How exciting it's going to be, these two wonderful teams. It's going to, They're going to be the two best teams in the country. And it's just a little bit embarrassing watching that last night, wasn't it? They were, they were both really poor.
1: But it's classic Mourinho, and what the draw does now is it puts United in the driver's seat for fourth place because they've got a game in hand on Liverpool. If they win that, they overtake them. and um, And so they just have to match Liverpool's results. Which uh, is, I guess, what Mourinho wanted. He didn't want to risk losing, and then having to better Liverpool's results in the final few games. So, I guess if you're into that whole tactical football thing, then you're gonna love it. But as a fan, <laughs> I just want to see good football. I want to see goals, and I want to see, I want to see three points. I don't, you know, I'd rather lose than. Well, actually, no, I'd not rather lose than draw. Obviously, but
0: you'd rather risk the win. Yes. Yeah, this is something that I, I was talking to, Dan, on, on the way up today, that, you know, you think back to, like, say, Ferguson era, and you don't want to harp back to that all the time, but you would think that there was no way he would go into that sort of match with that sort of mindset. And that's supposed to be really frustrating for Manchester United fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, I walked home and I was so pissed that I, I had to buy something to make myself feel better <laughs> online at, like, in half past midnight. Um so what I bought did you buy? I bought myself the Supreme Money Gun that released. <laughs> uh, uh, the guy's shipping it out today, and I'm really excited for it to arrive. I'll probably have it on Tuesday at the office. Um <laughs> what 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 is it? Um, it's it's a it's an like a automatic gun that shoots money. <laughs> so um and it comes with fake supreme one thousand dollar bills so i'm gonna be making it rain at the office on tuesday uh thanks to Mourinho and his tactics basically
0: right can i come in on tuesday and see this
1: yeah sure we'll put it on the we'll put it on the one football instagram
0: we will definitely put this on the one football instagram okay so make sure what's the what's the address for the one football
1: is it just onefootball.en for Instagram? It's just, oh, for Instagram, it's just one football. Just At one, one football. football.
0: Okay, check us out. That's going to be <laughs> fantastic. Right. I don't know what more you can say about the game after that then. Yeah. Should we talk about Marouane Fellaini? Yeah. Okay. Josie Mourinho was speaking afterwards where he said, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I didn't watch it on TV. I spoke with Marouane and he's very disappointed. He feels it is a, uh, he feels it is a red picard because he is Marouane Fellaini. And then Mourinho went on to suggest, if Sergio doesn't go to the floor, for sure it's not a red card. I've got a
2: better quote than that
0: from, oh, go from on. Mourinho,
2: actually. Yeah. He said, Martin
0: Atkinson told me that in his opinion it is a red card,
2: but I saw Aguero in the tunnel on no broken nose, no broken head. His <laughs> face is nice as always. <laughs> no, you cared, Mourinho. <sighs> God, that was that was stupid, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, I, I think um, I think it was quite clever from Aguero. He, he just kind of tricked him into doing it, didn't he? And mm-hmm. um, I mean, Fellaini's had a red card coming to him in a Manchester Derby's past, really. He's um, he's elbowed so many people in the face in, in that game so many times that it was uh, it was the sort of thing that it was just um, it's it's a miracle that it hasn't happened before, really. Um, and yeah, it was so stupid from him. And I think that was perhaps part of the reason why United were celebrated at the end because they were able to get through that last four or five minutes. Um, with 10 men on the pitch and, and see the result out
1: Is that the last we see of him in a Manchester United jersey? I hope so I mean how stupid do you have to be to get sent off 10 seconds after you got a yellow uh, you know he he fouls him gets a yellow debatable whether it's a yellow or not because I think it was his first big foul um, but then you foul him 10 seconds later and then you put his head your head to his head yes it was if you want to call it clever it was a bit pathetic to fall over like that but um you have to know better. He should know better.
0: Like everybody knows that's a straight red. Yeah. I also notice he just play oh sorry, go ahead. Nick. I do have a question about this, because mm-hmm. I've seen replays and I think, shouldn't we just send both of them off?
3: Aguero's I can't stand mm. it when players fall down the way that Aguero did yesterday. I'm not justifying what Phil, Phil and Andy did, but just send both of them off. Teach them both a lesson. I I've I've had enough of seeing players falling down on the ground when they're just you know, in a gust of air
1: pushes them over and making a meal out of it. It just pisses me off every single weekend. And Aguero puts his head into Aguero's as well. I, Aguero puts his into Fellaini's as well. So it's not like it's all coming from Fellaini. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, maybe not sent off, but definitely a yellow. For at provocation. Least, at least. Yeah. Because, yeah. But there needs to be a clampdown of some sort. Because it's, just, it's getting worse. I see it in the Bundesliga
3: all the time, but Aguero for... Uh, Aguero. We've got Grow on the mind, we do, (laughs) don't we? I mean, uh,
2: Vidal, for example, is another player. Oh, it seems to be so difficult to get decisions if you're don't if you not like throwing yourself to the ground with referees. I mean, we were talking about Martin Atkinson at the pub last night. Like, how many times did he just not make a decision? I think I said to you, it was like that uh, that meme, you know, where the guy's pointing to his head, and it's like, uh, you can't make the wrong decision if you don't make a decision in the first place. It's just like that. He just let
0: so much go, so many fouls for both teams, and it was like, yeah. what are you doing? Which reminds me that Pep went for a sort of might-is-right approach last night. Or did I just make that up in my head? I don't know what you mean. Sorry. Well, that he sort of... Went for a more physical approach to the game, mm, possibly Cer- yeah. certainly
1: towards Martial and Rashford. Yeah, they were like, destroying Rashford. It was it was disgusting mm-hmm. what they were doing. They could have killed him. Well, maybe not killed him, but, I mean, <laughs> but they <laughs> certainly they certainly went overboard in their They certainly yeah. went overboard in their approach to Rashford. Of course, uh, I mean Atkinson had a horrible game, but I think you know there could have easily been three or four yellow cards in the first half, um, more for City actually, but you know a couple for United as well. And I think he kind of. Maybe, maybe he lost control of the game and that's why Fellaini got frustrated and fouled twice in 10 seconds and then put his head to Aguero's face. I don't know. Anyway, could be the end of also Pablo Zabaleta and Alexander Kolorov.
2: Yeah, I mean... Um Guardiola said after the game, um, sort of expressed his frustration a little bit with his, his two fullbacks, um, the, the the age that they're at, they're just not able to get up and down the wing in the way that he's had players in the past that his previous clubs have done that for him. Um, and fullback I mean, is a key position in the absolutely, Guardiola, yeah. so. and it's it's been a problem that a, a position that City have neglected for, for about four or five years now, really. So they're going to have to bring in some good players in the summer in that position, and I think yeah, it probably probably is it for Zavaleta and uh, maybe Kolarov as well. Uh, shame for Zabaleta. He's been a good servant for the club. Absolutely, yeah. I love the guy so much. Um, I always will. Um, he'll, he's, a, he's a club legend. He'll, he'll he's welcome back any But I just don't think he's uh, he's got enough to offer anymore. Unfortunately,
0: I've also seen those behind the city or behind the scenes city videos. He comes across really well. Mm, oh, have yeah. you met him? Uh no I haven't actually. Okay. No.
2: No. I would probably like be a teenage girl if I met him and <laughs> <laughs> fall down crying or something yeah. But he, the fact he speaks uh, English with like a
0: Mancunian accent is oh, that's uh, great. very endearing. Yeah. Did anybody notice there was a plane over the head he had last night uh with a sign that said vengerin.com? Mm.
3: I've <laughs> I've seen
2: um, some uh flyers that were being given outside the stadium as well. Um something like uh Vengerin it's the best um solution for Manchester. Or something like I don't I don't understand what that is, but
0: yeah, it's a bit pathetic as well. It is a bit, but it leads us on nicely to our second subject of the day, which is the North London Derby. Uh, Now, this is basically the first time in forever. Tottenham are almost certainly going to finish above Arsenal in the league, which would suggest a power shift in North London, Dan. Yeah, it certainly seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, I think it's
2: one that's been coming for a little while now. Um, Spurs have been improving gradually over the years. Um,
0: especially it's just Moch- finally now it, it feels like it's in place. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. Especially since Pochettino came through, they've just been getting a little bit better every season and Arsenal have been getting a little bit worse every season. And um, I mean, I think there's there's definitely an argument, it seems a little bit silly to say, given that they're second in the league, but I think Spurs have been the best team in the country this
0: year. Oh, don't get me started on this. I, I've heard a lot of people <laughs> make this argument. If you're not top of the league, you're not the best team in the True, country. Yeah, the, the, that's the, pretty basic to me, but maybe they might play better football. Mm. I, I I wouldn't argue with that one. They might I think they probably play better mm. football than Chelsea, but the best team in the league. I if think not, that's probably what top, I mean
2: that they play better football and who right. knows they might be top at the end of the season, probably not, but you never know. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, certainly the past three or four months, I think Spurs have been the better team. Maybe not overall, but they've got such, you know, young, exciting players. Deli Alli's having a fantastic season. Harry Kane's great. Um, Christian Eriksen's a player I like so much. He scored a great goal against Crystal Palace the other night. Um, so, yeah, I have a lot of time for Spurs. I, I like Pochettino. Um, I hope he um, I hope he isn't lured away um, by, by another team anytime soon because um, he, he's building something very special there, I think. And, um, yeah, good luck to them.
3: I think what you do notice, though, as well with Tottenham is that usually when they've been ten points behind or haven't haven't thought to have a chance of getting anywhere, they've just stopped playing properly, and they haven't done that this season. They've kept fighting, and that's 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 the big change. So they might not be the best team in the league for for your definition of it, but I would definitely say they're one of the most improved teams in the league, mm. minus Chelsea, of course, who you know last year finished. You mean mentally, there's been yeah, a exactly. Approach. There's a huge change in, in that Tottenham side, and that's something which. They used to collapse, and now they don't seem to. That, and I don't know if that's just Pochettino or if that's just what they've been doing the last couple of years. But it's definitely vast improvement. To you the Tottenham it, of old.
1: You see it every season as well with Tottenham <coughs> since Pochettino's taken over. They've they've improved a bit. You know, the performances have improved, the players have improved, they've grown as a unit, and now, as you said, now they're you know they're fighting till the end as well. They're only four points behind Chelsea. You know, it's still possible, very possible.
0: You think they'll do it?
1: I don't think they'll do it, but I think it's possible. But even finishing second is a huge
2: thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, especially after they balls it up last year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't think they'll do it either. Um, I think possibly the other night that game uh, against Southampton could have been a turning point. Um, I I think Chelsea went 1 0 up, Southampton equalised if if that result had gone the wrong way for them. Um, And and possibly that game at at Wembley last week might have had a little psychological impact on things as well. Um, Spurs played very well in that game and, and Chelsea won it, didn't they? So I think it's just. A, a little bit of a, a microcosm of the season, that, really.
0: One of the... I mean, you mentioned Wembley, and one of the things they're going to be moving to their next mm. season. Uh, you think that's going to affect them at all? Yeah, it could do. It could... Because um... the pitch in Wembley is five... <coughs> if I'm not mistaken, is five metres longer mm. than White Hart Lane. Is it really? Yeah. 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 Good start. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, it could do. I mean, they played there in the Champions League this season and, and didn't do very well at all, On the Europa League, in fact... Um and, and of course moving stadiums is always difficult. It always takes a little bit of time for a club to bed into that stadium. Um Manchester City experienced it a few years ago. West Ham have had problems this season, so um it could, you know, halt their um their strides forward a little a little bit, who knows? Um I'd like to think not. But maybe they can move the dimension of the pitch or something and make it a little bit more like White Outlaw, <laughs> who knows? <laughs>
3: I think the problem might be more that the fact that they're moving from White Hart Lane to Wembley and then back to White Hart Lane as opposed to staying in the same stadium or going to one mm. new stadium. Um, and I think that could be a big problem mm-hmm. for them. I mean, you were talking about other teams who've moved stadiums. I think Arsenal did quite well when they left uh, Highbury to go to the Emirates. Yeah. That wasn't that big of a blimp. Yeah, but, true. Uh, yeah, I think Tottenham's problem is really going to be playing at Wembley because they've been shit, mm. to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. And also moving stadiums twice in the space of 12 months will probably not do them
0: any good either. They're a bit like a child. They're just crave stability and all that sort of moving from one foster home back to another (laughs) it's not it's not quite for them (laughs) anyway there's another team in the North London derby all Arsenal and Dan I have a question for you Um, hit me okay would Arsenal finishing top four and or winning the FA Cup change fans minds about Wenger um I
2: Possibly, I, I mean it wouldn't change my mind, I, I think, uh, I mean I'm not an Arsenal fan, but I think it's time for Wenger to go now, I think he's done a fantastic job there, Um uh, you know Lewis Ambrose the uh, the office gooner yeah. uh, makes a good point in that the kind of expectations Arsenal, have had, Arsenal fans have are all there because of what Wenger's done for the club which is true but I just think he's taken them as far as he can now and I don't think finishing top four or winning the FA Cup um, I mean I don't think that they're going to do either this season and, and if that does happen I don't think it changes anything in that respect I mean I think Wenger probably could have gone three or four years ago and and then he had that Uh, period when he won the FA Cup two years on the run and I don't think that really changed much either did it I think Arsenal have a a right to expect a little bit better than that from their team and um, I don't think they're going to get it under Wenger I think they need a new manager
0: Well you talk of changes they are recently playing or experimenting with three at the back which may suggest that he's capable of evolving Mm.
2: Yeah I mean I think before he played it against Middlesbrough uh, a couple of weeks ago before he went with three at the back it was the first time he'd done it since 1997 um, which is well wow. wow, a long time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, who keeps records of that? I don't know, Lewis Ambrose probably. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was who he told me. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it was interesting. Um, I mean, he got away with it against Middlesbrough, and I thought he's, he's, he's playing against City in the uh, the FA Cup semi final last week. I was like, come on, you're not playing Middlesbrough this week, mate. It's not going to work. You, you've got a, a team with great width here. You're going to struggle, and it was they, they were great. I mean, Gabriel played well. Rob Holding is a really good player, I think. Um, coming through at Arsenal there um, very interesting young uh, English player so yeah maybe Wenger still has a little bit in the tank but like I said I just I just think he's taking them as far as he can now and I don't, I don't see them improving uh, anytime soon under him I think um, a fresh approach to things is what they need
0: now Anybody else want to add anything about the North London derby?
1: I would just want to say that I think Arsenal fans are in for a rude awakening if they let Wenger go. I think they will drop a lot further than United did and we've seen how long it takes for a club mm. to transition from you know, you know, Wenger is like Ferguson in that he runs the whole club. It's it's a very old school approach. It's he's like the godfather there. And any any manager that comes in is going to find it so even if he's tactically way better than Wenger, whatever, brings in better players than Wenger could he'll find it very hard to fill his shoes because it's such such a huge job they might have to bring in a you know a sporting director or something like that and that transition again is very difficult um i think i think they're going to drop a lot if if he leaves
0: oof Hmm.
3: i saw saw rumors recently of who could replace wenger but not this season next it's not not thomas tokel is it carlo angelotti i saw rumors that angelotti Mm. could be his replacement
0: You mentioned Ancelotti, Nick, Mm -hmm. and we have a question from a listener, Mr. Kevin Fingleton, who asks, given their current 2012-esque fragility, could Bayern collapse enough this season to make things interesting in the final eight games?
3: Eight games? Four games? Four games? He wrote eight. Really?
1: Yeah. (laughs) There's only 18 teams in the Bundesliga.
3: We've got we've got four
1: match days left. Um, we got four match days. Got left. four match days left. Okay. Um,
3: well, can
0: basically are Bayern going to collapse?
3: No, not enough for, for Leipzig to catch up. I mean, Aww. they they could win this weekend at Wolfsburg, provided Leipzig lose at home to Ingolstadt. And essentially next week, Bayern, as far as I remember, played Darmstadt. And I do not see Bayern losing at home to Darmstadt, regardless of how much of a run Darmstadt are currently on. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so Bayern are going to win their only title this season, and that will be the league title.
0: Okay, yeah. So we did mention that, yeah, you mentioned that they are going. They're going to wrap up the league with yeah. a few games to spare, which would suggest a successful season for most clubs, but not quite Bayern.
3: After they are knocked out of the cup on Wednesday, uh, Philipp Lahm said to said to F, he was on so it's one of the German TV channels. He said, "Any season with a title is a successful season," and. For any other Bundesliga team, that would be true. He for, can't believe that. Well, especially in his last season, he can't believe it. It's total and a BS. It's just, he was, shortly beforehand, he was in, on ARD, which is another German TV channel. So he was standing there and he was close to tears for the whole five minute segment that he was on there. He couldn't quite believe what was going on. You could tell that he was completely distracted by, by, by what had just happened. And I think the fact as well that that third Dortmund goal in the cup was his own doing, it was his yes. mistake. And that's... It's, it reminded me of Stephen Jevart. Um What was it, two years ago, three years ago? Or even longer? Yeah. Where he slipped against yeah. Chelsea and Demba Bar scored the, uh, yeah. scored the goal. It reminded me of that. like That's how careers end and that's what's going to be remembered. The yeah. anniversary of that was yesterday, I believe. Was it? Mm-hmm. See? It was a week for that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's, but the, the, the minimal expectations for Bayern Munich going into a season is winning a, winning the title. I mean, they don't want anybody else to win. It's their fifth consecutive title. No other Bundesliga team's ever done that. But there doesn't seem to be any sort of... Nobody seems to be happy about it. I mean, they might be happy come the final match day when they actually get the... the I think it's called the salad plate. It's, a large, it's, it's Because it's flat as opposed to a trophy.
0: It's a bit like the charity shield. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So
3: um, so when they get that on, was it, match day 34 in three or four weeks' time but other than that pff, they're not happy at all. It's it's they wanted to win the Champions League, they wanted to win the cup in the space of 10 days. Their whole season's just imploded. Uh I
0: just want to we'll go back to Bayern in a second. But I just want to take a quick second out to talk about uh, Ousmane Dembélé's winning goal at the weekend or uh, during the week. To take that on his right foot and then switch it to his left and then curl it into the corner was outstanding. There's
3: a couple of things about that. Dembélé was supposed to be subbed off at time but he stayed on the pitch. So I think t- every Dortmund fan... What, he went
0: the- against Tuchel's orders? or
3: Well, it, doesn't, it just it seems to be... The, well, the, the assumption was he was supposed to go off at halftime because he wasn't that great in, in the first half. Right. And from what we understand is that Tuchel was going to take him off and then left it on there. And it was amazing for that third goal. Almost fluffed it had had Royce not then managed to save it in the middle pass it back to him and then for him to score. What remi- the goal which reminded me of Robin somehow. You know, he didn't, went off to his right, then went to his left and then, mm-hmm. then dodged it in. It was... A beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm not a Dortmund fan, but after what's happened the last couple of weeks, while I was sitting there watching this game, I actually cheered. I just yeah. loved it. I really, really enjoyed that goal. And I enjoyed the game. I wish every Bundesliga game was like that.
0: Unfortunately, it's not. You know, because it's the cup. But <laughs> <laughs> if every Bundesliga game was like that, hallelujah. Anyway, back to, back to Ancelotti. Uh, I want to know what he's got right and what he's got wrong this season.
3: He hasn't had it easy. I think one of the reasons why... Uh, Paul Clement leaving, wasn't easy on him. Uh, he's, I'm sorry, he's very big on trust and has a, has a ring of trust around him of people who he, he puts in charge of things. And Paul Clement going to Swansea didn't help, especially as the person who replaced him is Hermann Gerland, who's now taking charge of the academy. So that's also like a stopgap decision. I think that was a big factor in what's happened to Bayern since Christmas. Um, what I think he got wrong is that he didn't, he hasn't played the young players as much as he should have done. I mean, Kimmich was, has been, was, was in great form. Half a season ago was last season, and Kumar as well were in decent form. Was in decent form under, under Guardiola. He hasn't played the young players, and I was actually going through the um, Bayern squad, and officially Bayern only have five defenders: Hummels, Rafinha, Alaba, Boateng, and Lam. So Boateng started the season off injured. Hummels has been injured. Lam is leaving. Rafinha isn't isn't too great, and Alaba's had a Awful season compared mm. to the seasons he's had beforehand. So Bayern need defenders. That's something which they haven't invested in, so that's that's one of Ancelotti's mistakes. Another thing is a striker. There's only three strikers in that squad, if, if considered strikers. Müller, Kamal, and of course Lewandowski. Kamal's barely been playing. Müller's scored four goals this season. So if Bayern want to score goals, the only person they have to score those goals is Lewandowski, essentially. And that's just not enough. It's not enough to have one striker in a team to win three titles. And that's essentially, I think, where... This season's gone a bit pear-shaped. They haven't had somebody to take, you know, share the
0: weight. And when he misses, as he did uh, against um, Bayern or against Dortmund during the week, then they don't score
3: exactly. And then there's just uh, there's just no way to. It can't it can't work this way. Which is why I mean, in parts of it's Pep's fault. I'll be honest with you. I think. Ooh, um, oh yeah, I'll blame oh Pep. Yeah. It's always Pep's fault, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Pep, Pep had a certain idea about how Bayern should be, and certain players were bought, and those players invested. And granted, Thiago is a fantastic player now. First two seasons, he was injured, but since then, he's become amazing. Um, but they've just neglected the same way as the City have neglected certain positions. Bayern have neglected huge areas of that squad and, and need to invest. And the question is, who they're going to? A, who they're going to invest in? And B, how much are they gonna how much money are they gonna put into it? And C, Bayern's always been a team which has had a great has had great academy players. You've got your Lams, your Schweinsteigers, your Alabas, but Alaba was the last one to come through the ranks. And that was over that was what, six years ago, seven years ago?
1: 2010, I think. Under Van Hal. There you go. Seven, seven years, years, years ago.
3: ago. No, mm. wow. no players come through the academy since then. And that, that for a team which used to thrive on academy players. Is pretty poor.
0: What's interesting you mentioned the uh, transfer market because Mehmet Scholl and Hummels both predicted that Bayern would react by making crazy moves in the market. Wait, Hummels? Like Mats Hummels? That's what it says in my script. Oh.
3: I mean, Mehmet Scholl definitely did say on, on Wednesday that um, Hunis, so the CEO essentially, mm-hmm. or the president he is, and uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, the CEO of Bayern, will be sitting down and looking at every single aspect of this season. They'll be looking at everything, what went wrong, what was missing, why did we lose that game, why did this happen? And then they will decide who's bought and, what, you know, and how much money is going to be invested. Essentially, it's not just Ancelotti's decision. I th- they will keep him. I don't see him leaving because, as far as oh really the feeling the feeling we get outside the club um, is that the bosses like Angelotti. He's finally a kind of coach who who, who works well with him.
0: Uh, he knows were, how to manage up.
3: Yeah, exactly. So he knows he knows he knows how, he knows how to do it. Whereas Pep was there was, there was friction, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was there were odds most of the season, and you could tell that whenever there's a press conference. Whereas these guys are definitely behind Angelotti and what he does for the club and how he does his job. So I think they're definitely going to keep him for another season if not longer. Um I think he he's kind of the mold of a of a Hitzfeld or a, or Ruprecht that they had beforehand. Elder statesman doesn't doesn't faff about and uh well knows who he needs to answer to. So
0: overall then, a bit of a failure.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean it depends on what what parts of the season you look at but all, all in all it's for the whole team and it is a failure? I think that Ancelotti um for himself not considering this is his first season in the Bundesliga to at least win a title. You can't forget that, and that's in that respect is a success in its own. Yeah, but you take over
0: a Bayern, you're pretty much halfway there.
3: You take over a Bayern team which was run by Pep Guardiola. Yeah, look at Barcelona afterwards after he left.
0: Well, they won a treble, did they?
2: The year after he left,
3: not the year after he left, oh, but see? soon after
0: he left.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean <laughs> interesting to know actually how does it compare this season to, to sort of the way the Pep left Bayern. Do you think Ancelotti's sort of taken them backwards or forwards or
1: just kind of stayed the same? Is it? I think he's taken them to the side. I guess I don't. I don't think they've gone backwards. I think you know Nick mentioned all the injuries, uh, the out of form players, um, the positions that were neglected. Um, you know, when when was uh, Ancelotti supposed to uh, sign a striker? You come into the season with uh, Kingsley Coman, who looked really good last season. You have Thomas Müller, who is an amazing player, and then you have the best striker in the world in Lewandowski, you're not going to, you know, know, in the summer, you're not going to think, oh, I need another striker because two of these guys are going to suck. But that's what happened. And, uh, you know, there's never really any value in the winter anyway. Uh, A team like Bayern can't find a player good enough to bring in anyway. I think the winter transfer season is more for lower level clubs. Um, So I think he did as well as he could have. People forget that the Champions League is very, very hard to win. Um, I mean, look at how good Real Madrid is. Look at how, you know, look at what Barcelona did against PSG or even what PSG did in the first leg to, uh, to Barcelona. Look at what Monaco is doing. Juventus is an amazing, amazing team. So, you know, they, they did as well as I think they could have with, with what happened and the situation they were in. Hmm. So not a failure for you. It always depends. <laughs> it's definitely... It's difficult. It really definitely, is difficult I think... I think the minimum would have been the double with the cup, uh, with the Pokal. Um, But of course, you know, they got unlucky uh, and Dortmund uh, knocked them out. If they had been playing Gladbach or Frankfurt in the semis, they would be in the final. Mm -hmm. Um, So disappointing, but I wouldn't say a complete failure. I dread to think what the reaction would be if Bayern didn't win anything one season. <laughs> Jeez, that would be interesting to see, wouldn't it? <laughs> Isn't that yeah. What happened with with Klinsmann, Right. That was that the.
3: I can't remember. It was around that time when they finished. I think was it fourth, and they only had three Champions League places and played the Europa League, the UEFA uh, yeah. Cup back then. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think that must have
0: been around that season. Yep. Yep. Okay. You mentioned Europa League. Uh, I mean, the Champions League places are pretty much decided with Bayern, Leipzig, Dortmund, Hoffenheim, which is fantastic. But four games to go. Seven clubs vying for two Europa League places. What's going to happen? I mean, now now that Frankfurt have reached the final, A, Frankfurt are going to be
3: in the Europa League because Bayern are obviously going to be in the Champions League. So that's, it's only down to six now. And that also in turn means there's only two Europa League places on the, you know, to grab for, from the table. And currently you've got Hertha Berlin on 46 points and Freiburg, the promoted side, on, uh, on 44. And Bremen, the team at the moment, on 42. And those are the three teams who I think are going to be really fighting it out, especially as Bremen and Berlin play each other this weekend. So it could get really, really tight. I was going through, so looking at the six, taking Frankfurt out of the equation now with Berlin, Freiburg, Bremen, Cologne, Gladbach, and maybe there's an outside chance of Schalke possibly I mean, things really have to go their way, and they have to—they have to win every single game, and other people, other teams have to lose every single game for in order for them to get there. I don't trust Schalke to do that. Hell no! <laughs> but I mean, they're still in. Mathematically, they're still in with the shout. I mean, it's the same as Schalke. goes still in with the shout of being relegated. It's that close down at the bottom. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I think. I think that um, Berlin, Freiburg, and Bremen are all going to get five points, so nothing's going to change much uh, between now and the end of the season. But it's still going to—it's it's the most ex- exciting race in the league at the moment the relegation is tight that's still exciting but the title race is over and done with
0: okay name you, uh, nail your colours to the master here and tell me the two teams
3: <sighs> I mean, I've told you this before I'm a Werder Bremen fan which makes it very hard for me but part of me doesn't want them to be in Europe next season just because I think they might completely fall apart so I'm more than happy to see Bremen and Fre- uh, see <laughs> I'm more than happy to see Berlin and Freiburg qualify but if Bremen do qualify I'll still
0: be pretty chuffed okay did you have anything you wanted to add at all? I think
1: Freiburg is definitely uh, qualifying for Europe, which uh, is ominous because the last time they qualified for Europe, they got relegated the next season. (laughs) Um, Because they just, I mean, it's just not a team or a squad that can handle the rigors of playing twice a week. Um, But who knows? Maybe all their best players will leave, and and then they'll get relegated next season if they if they make it. We'll see. The fun
3: thing about that would be because Freiburg have the the best manager in the league. He's 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 from the region. He speaks a German that nobody outside of the region can understand, and he's very good for sound bites. So if the, if Freiburg do qualify for Europe, it'll be, I think it'll be quite interesting to see what he has to say and how he how he reacts to things and just watching him on the sideline because it's just. It's taking him out of his comfort zone. This guy still goes to work on a bicycle. Yeah, He's like the N'Golo Kante of, of coaches. <laughs> he lives
1: He lives really close to the stadium and he'll just bike like 10, 15 minutes. Or yeah,
0: whatever. Mancini used to cycle to the stadium with that he
1: guy. Did, yeah, That, that like guy.
2: weird
0: gopher that he's had that like used to follow him in his car all
1: mm-hmm. the
2: way and stuff.
0: And <laughs> used to heat up his clothes in a hair dryer. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's all from us today. My thanks to Fab Dan, Nick, and our producer, Damon. I won't be here next week. Don't get... Don't be too sad about that, but Andre Ginzalvich will be stepping into the big chair. Enjoy that. Enjoy your weekend, and thanks for listening.